The NHL All-Star break is over, and the Rangers are back in action, which means one thing, that we are back in action. There's a lot to catch up on in Ranger land, including their three-game win streak, which has seen the same guy in net for the past three wins. But does that mean the Rangers have a goalie controversy on their hands? Hmm, we're going to discuss that. We'll talk about whether Igor Shesterkin should be starting over Jonathan Quick at this point and what a controversy may do to the club. We also talk about the Filipino situation as well as answer some of your mailbag questions. And then later on in the show, you'll also get some thoughts on the Stadium Series jerseys. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on, and we're glad you're back here with us. We're going to do it all next on this episode of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post, and it starts right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes, yes. We are back on the podcast here up in the blue seats. We had a nice little all-star break, a little week to reset, get our mindset back fresh, just like the Rangers did, except for Igor and Trochi and, you know, the head coach laughs over in Toronto, which was where Molly was and where Larry was. Brian was busy as well, too. Guys, I'm so glad to see everybody back on here. I feel like the mood in Rangerland has been subsided a little bit by the three-game win streak. The ships kind of feels like it's been turned the right way. So we'll be discussing that. We'll be discussing uh, a little bit of a goalie controversy that we have here. Yeah, that's that's going to be the big topic today. And uh, I know Molly has plenty to say, as does Brian and Larry. Uh, so we'll get into it. Of course, Molly Walker, the Rangers beat writer, Larry Brooks, New York Post legend, and Brian Boyle, pretty, pretty great Ranger hockey player too. So, um, folks, uh, just because we didn't speak at all last week, how was everybody, how was everybody's break? Uh, Molly, Larry, I know you both were in Toronto. Brian, what did you do on the break last week? You'd be busy with the kids. No breaks for me. No there's breaks. No, no, there's no breaks. All gas, all gas over here. Had a lot of things to do. Had a, yeah. Oh man, actually had to jump through hoops to get something with 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 uh, onboarding. I talk, I've talked about it on this podcast, haven't I? I? Had to do the onboarding for for the post to be on this podcast, all this real world world stuff that I never did. The team just took care of it. It's really getting, it's really getting to me now. I've never really grown up and uh, welcome. <laughs> it's no, I don't want to come here. I hate this place. <laughs> you know, we got a couple of weeks left in the hockey season for the eight year olds and it's getting a little crazy chaotic. We can get into that later with some trial season coming up and nervous parents. But uh, other than that, everything's been real good. Kids are, kids are healthy, knock on wood. And everybody's been looking forward to a little 
little sunshine coming up here soon too. Listen, I think everybody is at this point. I was telling you, Phil saw his uh, shadow or didn't see a shadow. That means spring's coming out, whatever the hell that means. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> glad to hear everything's well with you. Uh, Molly Lowry, how was Toronto? Um, plenty going on out there. Do you guys have a favorite moment over the weekend? Toronto was really fun. I think my favorite thing was was watching Trocek enjoy it with his son. He's not not usually an emotional guy. And, and even still, like he, he didn't really show that much emotion, but in so as someone who talks to him on a daily basis, you could just tell how much the whole weekend meant to him. And that was really a cool thing to see for him and his family, for sure. Yeah, it was a good weekend. I thought the NHL uh, put on a pretty good event. It was pretty, you know, it was entertaining. You know, you, you look at it for what it is. It's it's a it's a break in the in this in the season where guys get together, they show off their skills. I thought it was it was um, rather competitive for again for what it was. It was pretty competitive, and uh, um, I enjoyed I enjoyed most of the uh, skills competition. I thought you know the the one on one was a fantastic event. The obstacle the obstacle course to finish it up was was you know guys were taking it really seriously <laughs> for a million dollars. I would too <laughs> for a million dollars. So I thought it was, it was a good weekend. You know, I, I had a good time. I, I think Molly had a good time. So mm -hmm. that's what we like to hear. Yeah, no, it, it it was entertaining. It was one of the things that I kept thinking back to what Brian said on the pod a few weeks ago, where you know guys aren't just going to the All Star Games just you know skate around and you know just put on a you know jersey. It's it's it. There is some pride in, in that game, and I think you saw that especially in that that final showdown where um, it was kind of appropriate where you had Igor and Trochi versus Lavs, um, which I. I love the New York connection there, which is a lot of fun. So, well, you know, you know what, too, over the weekend, and and this is is has has been a constant with the league. the The faces of the league had a, had a lot of responsibility over over the weekend, um, and I mean, you know, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and they responded. Uh, you know, the league has always asked a lot of its top players. The top players are always the guys who carry it, um, and for the most part, you know, the the league's top players have been outstanding ambassadors for the sport um, um and you know this weekend i thought was was an example of the same thing it's uh it, it's important because i mean yeah it's it's an all-star game it's it's mainly for the hockey fans but it is a great way to put the sport and the league uh on full display for a lot of people that you know may not necessarily know certain star players so to your point yeah that makes a ton of sense and it's um it's great to see these players giving back in that sense so uh but let's get into the rangers now um like i mentioned earlier to start uh on a three-game win streak um you know the the the, the sirens that were going off, people jumping off the ledges about the Rangers uh, not being good. I think um, everything has calmed down a little bit, especially after the win last night, three to one against the Lightning. Uh, but there was a certain person in goal for the third straight game, uh, and that is none other than the future Hall of Famer, Jonathan Quick. Um, we talked about this early on in the podcast when Quickie kind of started off the season looking really, really well, that there shouldn't be a goalie controversy. Uh, Igor Shesterkin should be the goalie, you know, the 1A, if you will. Um, but now there seems to be some talk because Quick has looked rather good in the past three games, especially. And, um, you know, Molly and I were talking before the podcast about who would be starting on Friday because there's word that Igor has been working with Benny um, just on some, some stuff. But is it a foregone conclusion that Igor is still the one A goalie? Brian is is he he's still the guy, right? You remember him getting pulled in the first round of the playoffs a couple of years ago, twice. Mm. You know these things happen. It's uh, never. It's really hard to be 
really, really, really consistent, especially in net at this level. Igor's still their goalie. Johnny Quick has been unbelievable. He probably will get more games. He should get more games. But you want Igor to figure it out. Um, everyone's saying if it's game one of the playoffs tomorrow, well, it isn't. Th- these things happen. And their game as a whole has been has taken some dips as well. Um, I could have played goalie last night, I think, for a while and got that win. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Wow. And they were great. They were great in front of them. And if you can continue to tighten that up, He'll get his confidence back. He'll see the pucks that he's supposed to see. And I hate these conversations. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. And it's not, they have to be had. I get it. It's noise for the team. It's noise for Igor. And he needs to understand that he's an NHL goalie in a big market. So you have to deal with that noise. It's in a lot of ways, it's kind of a little disrespectful to Jonathan Quick, too, who's got some hardware and obviously still ability. Maybe can't play 65 games, but can play really well. And he's he's proved that over, I think, a large enough sample size this year. So it's a great thing to have two really good goalies that can win you games. One's going through it a little bit right now, maybe mentally or uh, physically with just some of his mechanics or fundamentals. And you work that out throughout the year. You have the luxury of a guy who's getting your wins. Yeah, I go back to, as, as I cited after uh, in my column after, the Tampa game, um, I go back to December of 2016, where Hank was was kind of, you know, he was he was playing okay. He had kind of leveled off after a, after a really fast start. And Antti Ranta was the backup, and, and Ranta had done a terrific job. He, you know, he, it was a seamless transition from Cam Talbot to Antti Ranta. I mean, they never had to worry about who was, who, who was playing for them. And so Ranta plays... One, you know, he goes in one game and they win two to one. Then they go back to back and they play him the next night, too, which was, you know, kind of took everybody by surprise. Oh, Hank was sitting two games in a row. It's unheard of. Then he gets a shutout. Then Ranta gets a shutout, a one nothing shutout in, in an overtime game in Chicago. So he plays the third straight game. Well, there's an uproar about Lundquist and you know Hank is is out there and he's trying to he's trying to answer questions uh and he and he turns in his second straight shutout so now he's playing the fourth straight game and this is it was unprecedented it was the first time in Hank's career that he had been a backup for four straight games first time ever however there was not there was not a question about who was their number one goalie it was going to be Lundqvist. It was Lundqvist. And, you know, the natural order was restored in game five. And and Ranta, you know, played as a backup. And Hank played six out of eight games. This is what's going to happen with Shesterkin and Quick, assuming that Shesterkin can find his game. If he doesn't find his game, th- the Rangers have a major problem. You know, the, Jonathan Quick has been great. Um, I was thinking driving home last night. You know, if he were 32, this would be different. But if he were 32, he wouldn't be on the Rangers as a backup playing for $800,000 a year. You know, he'd be the number one playing 68 games and winning the Vezina. So it's hard for 38-year-old goalies to play a lot. Very, very few have played even 40 games over the last eight years. So one of the reasons that Quick – one of the reasons that Quick might be playing so well is the way they've scheduled him is the way they've used him too. 
it's like in you know in baseball when a guy is hitting 350 as a platoon hitter and they say oh he should play every day well not you know not really mm -hmm. the reason he's hitting 350 is because he's being used in a role so i just think that this is this is great for the range it's a luxury for the rangers that they that quick has given them the time for Shesterkin to work on his game yep. with many and they and and you know so they have a fallback i doubt that he'll play in, in chicago on friday but if he does he does you know because again the rangers it, it's about getting points mm -hmm. the rangers have kind of you know re um reestablished this cushion as far as the playoffs are concerned um, so I, you know, they're, they're in a, in a good spot. I think, um, as long as Shesterkin can find his game, it'll, it'll be fine. Molly has a lot to say. I have yeah. so many, I just have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to start to be <laughs> quite honest list. with you. I, I, I don't though. So like, I'm worried that my thoughts are just going to come out as like a jumbled mess and like, it's not going to make sense or, you know, everybody's going to think I'm making such a big deal over, you know, something that shouldn't be made a big deal about. And let me be clear. There is nothing there's no big deal to be made of anything yet but the yet is what is kind of worrying me just because it i think it has a potential to be a situation that could become a distraction for the rangers if and only if like everybody has mentioned igor shesterkin doesn't get his game back which it's still it's still a possibility. I mean, I think there's no question he plays on Friday if the Rangers want, you know, to you know make decisions that stand behind everything they've done and said to shield their goaltenders from an impending goalie controversy. Peter Laviolette comes right out and said it twice. Igor Shosturkin is still our guy. Um, but I do think that reading between the lines of things that were said that day before the Lightning game, it was the tentative plan is what Laviolette said. And that tells me that they had to give the net back to Jonathan Quick after Monday night's game. He won that game for them. He played outstanding. He was lights out. And I don't think that the Rangers win that game without Jonathan Quick. I don't think they won that game if Igor Shosturkin was in net, to be honest. So I just, I think that I don't even, I don't even know how to put my thoughts into, into words, but I just think that there is a potential for it to become a distraction if Igor Shosturkin does not pick up his game, because to your point, Brian, you know, about how this is, kind of a little bit disrespectful to Jonathan Quick. I agree with that. I think Jonathan Quick, he's not just some Joe Schmo. He is who he is. He's an a proven, established veteran. And correct me if I'm wrong, you know, all this talk about him being 38, I, you know, I don't disagree with it, but he had a starter's workload in LA up until he was traded last season. Am I wrong? Like he had 30 games in LA, right? Yeah. Before he went to Vegas and he had 10. So I'm not over here saying, you know, times have changed. The goaltender, you know, workloads have changed. I'm not over here saying that if this does happen, Jonathan Quick should be ridden toward the end of the season. Absolutely not. But I don't think it's a question of whether Jonathan Quick can handle 
a more of a starters workload or a tandem workload. Um, I don't think, I just don't think, I mean, of course we haven't seen it in the, for the Rangers, but I don't think it would be fair to say he couldn't unless, until he does. So I think that Jonathan Quick has earned the net and unless Igor Shesterkin shows that he can take it back, the Rangers could have a lot of tough decisions on their hands. And I think it'll be super interesting and super telling how they handle and navigate the situation if that does happen, because the last thing the Rangers want to do is sour the relationship with Igor Shesterkin, which is a possibility. And Igor had a very interesting quote as well. He said, I trust them and they trust me. And that's me that the way I took that was Igor is saying they better not screw me over in this situation. So, I mean, that's just how I took the whole situation. Nothing, you know, there's no panic alarm bells to be hit just yet, but I just think that we might be uh, closer to a situation than people might think or people might want to let on is just what I'm, what, where I'm coming from. I think <laughs> really quick, just to keep in mind, quickie has it, you know, he's in the East now and the travel's better. That's helpful to a 38 year old mm-hmm. having played a higher workload in the last, you know, four years, even the numbers aren't what they were, you know, the prior 12 or 10, 10 years for Jonathan quick, obviously, whatever he wasn't on a great team in, in, mm-hmm in LA for some of those years towards the end. But if you play well and you earn the net, what is the, what is the conversation? Like if Igor wants the net back, play better. Like get enough of this uh, with the, with the, the comments, the self-deprecating, like play better. Like you're a big part of this team. You, you didn't have as good a year last year as you did the year before where you were all world. Find the game. It's, it's the NHL. Like the best players are going to play. You want, the ceiling's obviously higher on a younger, you know, athletic goalie that's done it in the past. But Jonathan Quick is really, really athletic. So we're looking at his age, and I'm looking at his workload, and it goes, you know, the numbers go like this. They go straight down when the workload goes up. I get it. But And you don't want to lose that. you got lightning in a bottle with him right now. He hasn't played this well in a number of years. So you don't want to have him go out there, overuse him, and have him get shelled. Then you have, then you have a different problem. But – if Igor's worried about Jonathan Quick or he's worried about what, whatever it is, just focus on your game and play better. That's all it – I mean, that's how it's going to work itself out because you don't I get this good yeah. by accident. I doubt that Igor is, is worried about, about Jonathan Quick. And, and uh, you know, the, the Rangers, yes, w- will it become an issue if Igor doesn't play well and Quick continues to play well? Yes, but it would be an issue if Igor weren't playing well regardless. Right. Because <laughs> – you know, they they built their team on on the foundation of, of strong Shister- goaltending, of, yeah. of strong goaltending, and that's Shesterkin. Um, look, I uh, watching Jonathan Quick play this year has, has you know, oh, has, just has, what a treat! Yeah, it's been a treat um, because not only has he has he played to this level, but he's in, so entertaining to watch. You know, his yeah. style. Yes, he's just it's so, so different. And I'm not sure how he does. I'm not sure how he's in position to make the second save. I, you know, I, it's you the know, athleticism. He's, he's, he's a watch, freak. He's all a he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all famer. But um, you know, I, I watch him. I just don't quite get. You know, get the way he approaches his. Uh, um, you know, the, the technical aspect of the game for him. But um, okay, look, he's he's just been um, a revelation. He, he has, and you know, you think back. 
I would laugh at myself at how concerned everyone was because of his training camp. Right. Which, it, wasn't know, good. Which it wasn't was, good. Oh, no. Was not good. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like, wow. <laughs> you, know, you know, he's Jonathan Quick, but, you know, come on. You got to stop the puck. It's also... You know, it's hard it's hard for me to draw a comparison to Henrik Lundqvist and the anti-Ranta situation because I just feel like Henrik is Henrik. I don't I don't I don't equate Igor and Henrik just yet. No. So, no. you know, no. like that's also that's the other layer to it. Uh, yes, he's been their number one goalie for the past four seasons, but in this instance, the Rangers need to do what's best for the team. Mm-hmm. If that requires giving Jonathan Quick more starts, then that's what they have to do. And they can't, like, at, they do have to worry about, you know, the way Igor feels about it and keeping the relationship good and, and an open line of communication and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the Rangers need to do what's best for the Rangers. And if that means giving the net to Jonathan Quick more, then that's what they're going to have to do. And, that's just how it's going to be. But I mean, this is all, I think a lot of this talk is hypothetical, but I'm just saying like the conversation could really pick up if Igor goes out in Chicago and lays an egg, which, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. So it's just, it's, it's there. I just feel like it's there. The situation is there. So it's, it's just something to monitor, which is, you know, kind of what I've said. So. Here's something to monitor. Yeah. (laughs) Finishes this year, it's kind of an up and down year. You know, you would have thought they'd try to extend him July mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. all the time. Now, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. it's a very and this is not a, on your left. A, yeah, this is not a good time for for Igor to have uh, uh, a down year. It's not. No, but then it's like if, if you're if you're Chris Drury and he's and then yeah. he goes out next year and he sets the world on fire the first forty games. And he's in the, he's a UFA goalie, so mm-hmm. it's it's this is tricky. Yeah, this is why I'm on a podcast and I'm not a GM. <laughs> I would do there. Well, that'll be a discussion for another day because I think I love being is... on the podcast. Sorry, I love. Oh, no, no, of course, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, we know Brian. Right. We know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I do eventually want to have the conversation later on in the season about. Um, you know what a possible uh, uh, contract extension could look like for Igor because there's there's been some discussion where it's how much should you be dedicating of your cap salary to a goalie and and is it necessary for a team to win a Stanley Cup to have um, a high market value goalie in that sense but again another day we can discuss that uh luckily for Igor though uh if he does do well against Chicago uh the rest of the schedule for the next three games looks pretty decent because you have Chicago you have Calgary and then you have Montreal um all three teams which aren't great hockey team. So in theory, it should be able to give him a nice landing place, uh, bearing that he's able to have that first good one on, on Friday, uh, if he is in it. So we'll, he uh, will we'll, be, he, he will, will be. be. Mm-hmm. He, there's just no way he's not. I just, I would be mm. stunned. I would be so stunned. I really would. Molly putting a lot on the line here. In that <laughs> statement. I'm sure if, uh, I'm 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 hoping for your case, knowing our listeners and and our commenters. Yeah. That, hey, I that, mean, I would, but that would be that would be feeding into the other narrative, which is be. which is what they which everything that Laviolette said and everything that Igor said, you know, that would go directly against it. There is no reason why Igor Shosturkin should not be in 
that against right. Chicago. There's just no reason. You're absolutely right. And I, I it's much needed for this team, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, before we get to our subtext questions, uh, one of the things that happened actually is pretty much directly right after we recorded two weeks ago uh, is yeah. Will Cooley and his whole situation. Um, and I just want to get your guys comments on it because uh, Molly, Larry, I know you both are around the team. Brian is a former player. Um, you know, it's it, it's a shame because he, he worked really hard right. to get back. Filipino. Oh, I'm sorry, Filipino. Thank you. I was very confused. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's amazing. What happened? I missed something. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) He's all good. Yes. Um, No, and pretty good last night. I don't know. Yeah, listen. (laughs) (laughs) It's what you want, of course. Uh, No, but Filipino. Yeah, he. um, It's 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 unfortunate. He's he's he worked his his way back. We saw his whole um, you know training uh, being documented, working with um, with Yager, and then coming back to the team, and then having uh, what sounded like a very very scary situation um during you know practice or whatnot uh brian i guess you know obviously he, he's not gonna be back the rest of the year um and molly i know is one of the things that you mentioned early on uh when the injury first happened about you know whether he'll ever come back as a player uh brian as a former player where you again you went through some some health stuff as well too where i'm sure at some point in time you weren't sure if you would get back uh, to playing hockey at a professional level, you know, what could possibly be going through Hedl's mind as of right now with his status in limbo? Uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard because it's a part of you. Like no one makes it to this level if it's not a part of you, right? Like people want to play and people have to play. And the guys that make it are the ones that have to play. That's, you know, I think that's what separates the skill level is pretty similar. The, you know, enjoyment of the game is pretty similar. Like you, you do a lot of things, you lose friendships, you, you know, have to lean on your family. You, a lot of different things have to happen for you to make it uh, because that's your goal and you'll do anything to get there. So when it's taken from you or potentially could be taken from you, it's a part of you that's gone. And even when you retire, it's almost like the death of a close friend. I, I can speak to that having gone through it. It's like, that's over now and it's it's never going to come back. So this the threat of it being gone is one thing. Now you have a life to live and you can be a productive person and help others or do whatever you can after playing is over no matter what. And every athlete needs to realize that even while they're playing because it it it's no one plays until they're 65 collecting social security it just doesn't happen. And you know, Tom Brady tried it and he was awesome, the GOAT. Uh, but, it, you know, it doesn't happen and you have a long life after it. You got to be careful here. That it, I don't know what happened. I didn't see what happened from what it sounds like. It was non-contact and it was pretty innocent or whatever. I mean, I've seen it with kids that I came up playing with, high draft picks, a lot in front of them, bad concussions, spiral down into – really dark place for a number of years. So you need to, hopefully the support is around him, finds a purpose if he can't play, but doing the right things, not risking something even more traumatic or whatever. If, if he thinks that that's the only thing he can do is play hockey. It really has to be about him. And they're saying that they're saying it's about the overall health of the human being. And that's, that's what they're doing uh, as an organization, which I commend. And what he needs to understand once he's seeing and thinking clearly, um, keep in mind, like, I don't know how many 
listeners or you guys have had concussions, it's, it's a really weird thing when the thing that's telling you something is wrong has something wrong with it. So you, you just can't really almost trust yourself and you really have to be as honest as you can. And when everything's right and back to normal, you'll know it. And sometimes you try to trick yourself into knowing it and, and you're wrong. And I've gone through that a little bit. And fortunately for me, there's, uh, you know, I'm fine, but it, it's like, it is, I mean, I'm telling you, it's scary and you got to take it very, very, very seriously and almost proceed with an abundance of caution from here on out. Well, we'll see. Uh, obviously, you know, he, he, he was an, an important piece that the Rangers were hoping to get back before the deadline, at least to kind of help assess what they need. And now that he's out, I'm sure the Rangers have other plans to figure out how to replace him moving forward. But um, all right. We appreciate it. As always, thanks, Larry, for coming on. We're going to get to our mailbag questions coming up next on the podcast. Oh, he's, he's best in the world, man. It's uh, honestly, I, I learned so much from just watching him in practice and um, you know, his work ethic and everything that he brings to the table every day, practice days, game days, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's impressive. Back on the podcast here, and it's time to take a dive into the Post Sports Plus mailbag. Yeah, you sent these questions to Molly. Molly sent them to us, and now we're going to answer them for you and hopefully give you some good answers and um, not confuse some people, which I think the last mailbag <laughs> did. But again, we're not going to acknowledge that. Uh, let's start off the mailbag here <laughs> brian loves the mailbag segment by the way uh, molly mail molly mailbag as larry says <laughs> uh this one comes from anthony labella how would the rangers conceivably split up Kreider and mika would you do it if you were the coach why or why not brian you want to go first you want me to go? Yeah. Yeah, take it away brian yeah coach will do whatever he can if it's not working you split them up you have a really good thing going you know with Trocek and Panarin. Um, and you got Mika and Krides, and then you kind of sort of mix and match. Like we've always done, or we always did pairs, like those two guys. If you're, if you're mixing up lines, you keep two guys that really work well together. I played a lot of games with Brandon Prust because him and I worked well together. Um, you can mix and match anything. And then one year we didn't play together because we weren't playing well together. These things happen. It's not you know, you're not married to line combinations and defensive pairings. If it's not working or even if it's stale or if it's like, let's see if we can get something out of somebody else to bring him up with Mika or, you know, bring Chris to down a, a line to see how effective he can be. It's different options that you're weighing and looking at to seeing if, if you can, one, get a spark if you need it, two, how it would look if you needed to make a change in a playoff series where it's just not working, the matchups are the same. Uh, three, like, what are we going to do when we go on the road and we don't have the last change? How do we change our lineup a little bit to make their coach think? There's so many things that go on. And to have a little bit of familiarity with other players as opposed to just playing with the same guys all the time, it, there's pluses and minuses to it, but it's it's obviously everybody's seen it on every single team. That's why it's done, in my opinion. Something that I've gathered just from, you know, talking to Peter Laviolette and and seeing the decisions that he's made and how he's moved throughout the season and in particular during a really rough January. Um, I think that he does value continuity a lot, especially taking into consideration um, what this Rangers team dealt with the last two years, changing lines 
every day, almost. It felt like every day, every day coming to practice, it was a big deal to watch the lines because every day the lines felt like they were different. And by the end, the players were openly talking about how difficult it was and, and, they were they it, they came across almost annoyed at it. So I do think that continuity is something that that Laviolette is valuing. But exactly to Brian's point, I feel the exact same way. If it's not working and it's getting stale and something needs to happen, he will make that decision and will do so. And I think that there have been a few occasions in game in particular, but only a few. He's only done it a couple two, three times maybe where he's really put the lineup in a blender to try to get something going. But it's something that he only pulls out when he feels like he really, really has to, because I think he is trying to be sensitive to the fact of what this Rangers team went to, went through in the last two years. Um, I think, you know, something a lot of people have said, and I've, you know, I agree with it. It would be kind of cool to see Mika and Trocek switch, but Laviolette and rightfully so has, you know, ridden that Trocek, Panera, and Lafreniere line, they have been the most consistent unit for them. So I think that he that it would be a last resort to split that lineup because he really does like those three together and what they've done for a majority of the season once Philip Hedel went down. But it's definitely, you know, it's always going to be an option. I don't think Lavi Lavi like came in day one and said that he wasn't married to anything. But that being said, he did go back to what Gerard Gallant did to what, you know, David Quinn did with the deep pairs and, you know, the top six, um, because that, you know, it has worked in the past. And it, I do think it's a comfort thing too, especially for players like Chris Kreider and Mika's manager, they've been together for years. So, um, I do think that continuity is valued, but not, he's not married to it hundred percent. To keep an eye on. Lobs knows what's best. You got to trust the coach at this point. Uh, let's take this one from Kerry DeMarco. Would you say a third line center is the most important need? Yeah, I I would, especially like we just mentioned with the with the news about Philip Hedl. It definitely is. I know that two big guns are off the table, but I don't think that the Rangers wanted to overpay for either one of those guys. And it seems like that's what would have had to have happened. Um, so that's, I think, a, a, a reflection on Drury, you know, to have restraint, not to not to overpay for those guys, especially, you know, with the precious little cap space that they have. Um, but definitely a center or two uh, should be, especially if, if Larry's report is, you know, accurate, which it almost always is, um, that they do want, you know, they are going to go all in. They are going to do what they need to do to really bulk up before before the trade deadline. Yeah, is that a center who can has offensive ability and can play a hard and structured game is, you're going to call him a third-line center, I get it. It adds depth to the team. They're not cheap. Um, like a solid five defenseman who's really heavy can play 18 minutes and just punish. I love uh, the scoring winger that everyone tries to go out and get all the time. I think there's enough offense there. If it can be had at a certain price, you know, you, what's realistic. And <clears throat> if you can add, I've said, you know, there's a guy in Washington you could add. There's a guy in, 
Um, I think Phil, you can add, he's not necessarily center, but there's guys there that I don't know if they're going to trade with you Metro. I don't want to throw around names and make trades on a podcast, but any kind of, any kind of energy element, any kind of personality element that always kind of galvanizes the team. Sometimes they can be had for cheap. There's going to be a lot of talks a month from now during the trade deadline about how these big moves are going to help teams. And then there's going to be no talks about some guys that are really, really going to help their team. So you got to trust that process with Chris Drury and what he's doing, what he's willing to give up, adding but not mortgaging the entire future. And they're in a really good spot. Uh, It's not going to take much, I don't think. I mean, coming out of the East, there's a couple – there's a couple heavy hitters in the Atlantic. Um, and Carolina looks to be getting better after a terrible start. But yeah. I think the talent level and the commitment to what they're trying to do here has been really, really good. I like Lavi as a coach. They don't need to overspend to get a little bit better. And that's where you got to trust what Chris Jury does pretty well, which she did pretty well last year as well, too. So uh, we got a couple more here. Let's do this one from Jeff Garrigan. Uh, Zach Jones seems to be fitting in nicely in his limited opportunities. Do you think they are satisfied with him and Gus as a 6'7 D-man? Or do they have to look to add perhaps a physical presence on the blue line? I do think that, especially where Zach Jones is concerned, and I'll let I'll let Brian touch on Gustafson, but in terms of Zach Jones, I know Larry asked Laviolette uh, before the Colorado game, I think it was, um, if he was tempted to put Connor Mackey in because Mackey obviously had a really good game against the Senators, drops the gloves with Brady Kachuk, which, by the way, so awesome to see. I mean, that guy took two flights to to Ottawa from Cleveland after playing a game with the Hartford Wolfpack the night before he got up at 5.45 a.m., <laughs> came in he, it, the way he described this day was so funny too. he came in grabbed a meal pregame nap you know then he was taking warm-ups and he it's still at that point wasn't sure that he was going to play and ryan lingren lingren was a late scratch and then suddenly he's suddenly he's playing and suddenly he's dropping the gloves with brady kachuk and jump starting a crazy rally for the rangers so it was a fair question 100 but laviolette and turned it around and said well the guy who's been here all season playing in this seven playing in the seventh defenseman role was also pretty great in Zach Jones. And it's true. Zach Jones also had a great game. I mean, the look on his face when he tapped in that that pass from Artemi Panarin, what a cool moment for him. I'm sure that was. Um, but yeah, I think Zach Jones has definitely held his own. And if anything, even if he's not a long-term option for the Rangers, if anything, he has definitely upped his trade value in in the limited time and limited appearances that he's had this season. Yeah, if you're a team that has guys that are in your selling and you want to bring in youth, that's what every every organization who's sort of rebuilding or retooling or knows that they're not in a playoff position, that's what they do. They trade older guys with bigger contracts and they bring in draft picks and youth and, you know, prospects and, and guys on the cheaper assets, but also cap space in general is a huge asset. So if you can move uh, a Gustafson who has that offensive upside, who can help run a power play. So your Connor Bedard or whatever can get more touches or whoever these young players are in Arizona. It doesn't like these guys have value in the league that might be more valuable to another team where you, and you make that trade. That's, that's what happens in pro sports. Now we're, again, we're not trying to move anyone out. They've, they've had some injury and they've done 
I think well in their roles and long-term are they worth keeping or is it better to move on? Is it more fair to them to move them on? Nobody wants to get moved during the season. You want to stick it out with the guys you've grinded this long, but I mean, other cases are different, but you know, in, in this aspect, yeah, they, they have options and it starts pretty much with their cap hits and their usage and their talent level. They're, they're both very talented given bigger roles, who knows, but you got to earn those roles too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, Zach's a young, young, he's still a young player and, and he's a defenseman, which is very hard to adapt in this league. So you, it's a tough one. You don't want to give away something too soon. Uh, Gustafson's shown that he had a down year. It's kind of hurt him contractually. He hasn't made a ton of money, but it's, it's a good spot for the Rangers to be in. We can keep him for cheap or some teams are going to covet this 800 grand on his cap hit. Mm-hmm. And I think he has another year, right? No, I think it was a one-year deal. It was a one-year deal? Oh, yeah. sorry. Shows what I know, but it's well, either way, he slides right in. There's no issue. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Gus bus. Uh, <laughs> he's, I he's like the little... depth and the offensive ability. If you've had injuries, yeah. and, you know, God forbid anything happens to any power play defenseman. Yeah. He, he's, he's just, those are hard to replace too. So. I just think the Rangers are in the same p- position that they've been the last, you know, since, since their run to the Eastern conference final, where <laughs> they're not looking to subtract right. unless yeah. they're immediately, you know, replacing, you know, like right. unless they're, it's a one for one type deal, you know, or, or, you know, mm-hmm. ensuring that they are plugging it immediately because that's why, you know, all this talk about, you know, trading Capo Caco, well, coming back in needs to be somebody that's going to replace that immediately. So that's, you know, I think that sometimes gets lost in translation that the Rangers are not in a position to be subtracting right now. If you're moving Kako, this guy has to be a huge upgrade now. Exactly. Because exactly. Of, because of where he is in his career and what his salary is and all that. So that's... And, and what he does for the... Like, you know, right. you can... You, we can, you know, talk about... And, you know, very interestingly, Capo has kind of fallen off on the PK rotation Mm -hmm. and he didn't play in the final, you know, six plus minutes last night, actually. And, you know, one could go as far to say he's losing Lavilla's trust a little bit, maybe. Um, But that being said, that doesn't diminish, you know, the minutes that he does play and the defensive, you know, contributions that he has and what he does with his puck possession and things like that. Um, that the Rangers would need to replace, that they would need it. It would have to be either a direct replacement or or an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Rangers aren't in the business of subtracting guys and getting better for future years. So trying to get better right now. So any deals, you always got to keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to do one more quick one before we get out of here. And this one is strictly for you, uh, Boiler. Um, this is from Michael Docks. Oh, yeah. um, question on your thoughts about Jim Ramsey and the effect that his departure has had on the team. Do you have any fun Rammer stories from your playing days? Oh, I mean, Rammer just loves the game and loved being a, you know, being a part of the New York Rangers. And I, I, <laughs> I yeah, I do have a funny one. He, we had a skate, like a family skate out in Central Park, and we had a dinner after. Mr. Dolan would put this thing on and really, really generous. There was like hundreds of people there from the, the whole, everyone that was employed on the Rangers side and their families invited. And so Rammer goes out and, you know, his son was young and his daughter was young. They're younger at the time and they're they're out skating around. His wife, Anita, is skating around and he's starting to do impressions on how guys skate. <laughs> And he he's a really 
high energy guy, so much fun, which you need during a long, long season. But he he gets to me and he starts doing this like big lumbering skate. And everyone's laughing. I'm just shaking my head because he went a little longer on mine and he kept doing it. <laughs> and he falls ass over tea kettle, bangs his elbow, probably smacks his head, skates off the ice. And I'm still just shaking my head at him. The boys are howling. And he looks at me and goes, I probably deserved that. I go, he definitely <laughs> deserved that. Aww. Uh, tons of fun. You know, no, no surprise. You got a, another job right away. But yeah, he was, uh, he's the man. I, I, I love Rammer. He's a, he actually, and funny thing is, you know, he played the game and lived the game and loves the game. And he taught me a lot about being a young player coming into that league and what it meant to be a good pro as a young player and how to develop, you know, more of, an understanding on what it, what it means to be a teammate. And he was great with that. And he was blunt with it too. Sometimes it wasn't always the greatest thing, but that was, uh, I was thankful for that. That's the stuff I love hearing about. Cause all the fans know you guys, uh, they know, you know, head coach or whatnot, but it's, it's, it's the behind the scenes guys to that, that I feel are, uh, you know, the unsung heroes as well too, to get you guys through that long season. So, uh, best of luck to Rammer obviously was with the, the team since 94. Um, so, you know, he was doing something right, I guess. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for those questions, everybody. Uh, I'm sure there'll be another mailbag in the future. Be sure to sign up for post sports plus so you can get your questions in on the next episode. Uh, we're going to close things out next, but first here's your boiling point for the week. Now it's time for the boiling point. Brian, what's boiling your point this week? Uh, I had to think about it a little bit, which is a good thing. Uh, but number one is the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi at my house is so bad. And I've been on the phone so many times. And the people on the phone are very helpful. But it's the things we're doing to try and get this. I've, I've spent money buying. They've sold me on these nodes that I'm just killing myself with and my family with the radiation probably is going through my house and it just it works for a day and it doesn't work anymore so someone's playing a trick on me i think or wi-fi is terrible and it's making me crazy i'm in my basement again i have to i had to get up and move my setup down here again because this is where the mothership is she's behind that wall over there and that's the only place it works now when the internet does work and i'm trying to read it up on things that are going around the league whatever and i'm going on the internet starting i mean always but it's just going to ramp up from now until the election the political stupidness of people in the arguments don't argue don't argue with anyone online just don't do it don't be a clown the the the, the tug of war that these people are just i mean they're they're celebrities now it just drives me crazy Nobody's doing anything to help anybody. And it's all this, and I can't get to my information that I need and it's all polluting my feeds and stuff. And I'm not smart enough to figure out how to weed it out. Just pops up there. Invasion of privacy and Wi-Fi. Anyways, that's all I got. And that'll put a bow on episode 143 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. 
before we get out of here, we got to dish out some stars. Uh, Molly, ladies first this week. Who you got? I got to go with Jonathan Quick. Just three straight starts. First time he's had three starts in a row since November of last season when he went four in a row with LA. So hasn't had this opportunity in a bit here, and I'm sure it's super rejuvenating for him. And he has risen to the challenge, to say the least. The whole episode's pretty much been about <laughs> Quickie. Uh, so I, I, I can't doubt that. Also worth noting, uh, 756 NHL starts, a third most starts all time. I think he's among... at 57 now. Oh, 57. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. So so now he, he has the third most starts all time for American-born goalies. That's pretty damn impressive. Brian, who's your number two star? I got Leo Trocek doing the, <laughs> yes! doing the lacrosse call at the yeah. All-Star game. Hell yeah. That was so epic. Oh, what who, a cutie. Who's, who's dethroning that? No one. <laughs> Honestly, I feel bad now having to put like a, a third star after the. I should have gone second. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, mistake. I kept on that me. one close to the vest too. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> you you didn't let any one. of us know. Molly's all excited. Shotgun quick. I'm giving you other guys. I had this thing. <laughs> you were ready. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dialed. Well, to try to follow up that one, I'm gonna take as my third star, uh, easy peasy Jimmy VZ. Another. Uh, another goal last night. Actually, had the uh, the empty netter as well, too. Three goals in the last six games. Definitely a favorite on the podcast here. Just easy to root for. Love what he's done with the club. He's certainly brought it back in terms of he's an affordable player. He's has an impact on this team. You could tell that there is uh, some leadership quality in, among him as well, too. So Jimmy VZ is my third star. Well, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye here. Um, as always, we're going to thank Jake Brown. Jake, happy birthday. It was the Podfather's birthday. Uh, this past yeah. weekend, so uh, big 33 for him. Larry Legend. Larry Legend, there <laughs> you go. Yeah, Patrick Ewing, a garden legend as well, too. Who, uh, 33 for Rangers. Do we, do, do, anybody? Michael Roosevelt. Wow, that's a pull. That is a pull right there. That's so impressive, bro. He might have been 32. Was he 32? 32. Shoot. Oh, oh, he was 33. Did, he was did 33. you ruin it? <laughs> so much confidence there oh wait one more thing before we do say goodbye that we didn't hit on at all because it happened after last week's uh i need thoughts on the stadium series jerseys quickly go i, I feel like you either i don't know they're fine i they're fine they're, they're okay i like the devils a little bit more devils, devils are clean the devils, devils are clean. devils are really nice uh the oh, you're fired <laughs> the Islanders are hideous. Sorry, Terrible. Flyers. Flyers didn't do anything different. And no. honestly, the Ra- at least the Rangers did something different. Um, but I think I'm just so biased because I love the Lady Liberty. And every time oh, the Lady Liberty gets back, snubbed, back I'm upset. Back to Lady Liberty. I know, but that's just me. And every you know, that's no surprise <laughs> to anybody. So you know, they're good. They're good. I, uh, they're fine. They've grown on me a I mean, little. They're all one concept, right? They all yeah. have to play right. off each other, and they're big numbers and big. Mm-hmm. Is it far away? You're at a football stadium watching hockey. It, lo- oh. it looks like an old, the Rangers one looks like an old starter jacket. Yeah. Which I love the starter jackets. Yeah. I grew up with starter jackets and they were, they were the absolute noise. If you had a starter jacket, you were, you were a beauty. Star- <laughs> and starter, I feel like is like back to coming back around again. Just like uh, members only jackets. I know that's, that's also coming back too. So mm-hmm. Michael Roosevelt was 33. Uh, Dave Carpa, Mark Savard, Bruce Driver. So yeah. They're- oh, Savard. Yeah, so, so you know, we we have, we have some some thirty three pull. Yeah, the uh, the stadium jerseys, I like them. They they they've grown on me, but I'm not dropping the two eighty on the authentic <laughs> sweater. It's just not. they were flying off the shelves apparently at the uh, Garden the last couple of games. So. I'm sure they were. I saw a bunch of people like wearing them on the um, uh, the LAWR on the way home. So uh, mm. people must like them, which is good. But I, I like your theory about the numbers being big because you're playing in a state. That's mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about that. I, I kind of dig it. So. 
plenty of more sweater talk coming up on the podcast i'm sure uh all right so you can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to up in the blue seats on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your pods if you're watching us right now on the new york post sports youtube page give us a thumbs up comment below should the rangers continue letting quick start over igor oh, that'll spark some good debate i'm sure uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. That's at Molly Walker with two E's, two R's, at Brybrows22, and myself at Andrew Hartz without the E. For Brian Boyle, Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, I'm Andrew Hartz. Thanks as always for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Later. <laughs> <laughs>